And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, we have a season under our belt, and now we're going to look back at it. Today, it is our Resistance Season 1 recap. How you doing, Chris? Good. Hi, I'm Hope. I get, yeah, I was thinking about that. Like, we never introduce ourselves in the beginning. <laughs> in case somebody just wants to test out an episode, they have no idea who we are. Yeah, I know. For a while, I was being a jerk and just saying your name every time that <laughs> I, I I spoke to you, Hope. And yeah, Chris. Then I, then, I, then I totally forgot to do it, Hope. I, I just completely did. But now they I know. Hope and Chris, that's all they have to know. That's, yes, just like Chris said, it's Hope and Chris. Just like Chris said. Right, Chris? Yes, Hope. <laughs> How are you doing this week? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, too. Uh, I had a long is... week last week, so I've been taking it easy this week. Yeah, we, we kind of been taking it easy, too. Like, uh, we've been doing a little break from our other podcast while I catch up on editing, because it's hell. <laughs> it's hell. <laughs> That's okay. I got you nailed down for next Monday for Rock yeah. and Roll, finally. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, I had I just I had to take a couple a couple weeks off there. I was, whew, I I I needed the break. So yeah, but we're doing good. We're doing good. Uh, it's summer here. It's hot as hell. The coyotes are being fuckers. So our cats are very anxious because they can't go outside because the coyotes are being fuckers. Um, fucking coyotes. So, but yeah, doing good. I'm still stuck on that stupid zombie thing you were telling me about beforehand. Yeah, try not to think about it too much. It make your brain hurt. <laughs> oh, the summary of the conversation we had beforehand was Chris was telling me about J.J. Abrams' new zombie movie and all no, it is Zach, is that, Zach Snyder. Oh, Zack Snyder's new zombie movie. Yeah. Oh, in that case, well. Does it make Does it make more sense what I told you then? No, they're about the same in my brain. No, it doesn't, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Hey, Resistance. Yes. Yes. So, if you've never been to one of our season recaps, well, first of all, welcome. Welcome to our season recap. So, the way this works is we have questions for both of us um, that we both talk about together. Um, where we're in there just general questions to talk about and recap the season a little bit. And then we wrote questions for each other. So we will be going through those. And yeah, are you you ready to get started? I am. I'm actually really excited because we we have a few similar ones and we have a few different ones. And I, that's really interesting to me. Yeah, so. usually we have like three or four. Well, I think we got, what do we got? We have three. Three in common. So that's... Yeah. That's not bad, not bad. I'm actually really surprised. That, well, I'm wondering about I'm normal. Surprised. Yeah. One of these I'm surprised that's on your list, but I'm not like 
super excited. <laughs> but they're not excited, but super surprised, I should say. Because it's a very visual episode, and you're the visual guy, so. But, all right, first up, we have one of our top five favorite episodes of season one of Resistance, and why? Uh, we'll just start. You'll start, because we'll, we'll just go back and forth. Okay. Um, now, now, do you want me to start at the bottom? Because the top one on mine is my favorite one of... Oh, yeah, then do that. I just okay. put them in order of airing order, except for okay. the last one, which I saved for last. Okay, so my 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 first my the, the, actually the other four aren't really in order, but the 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 number one is definitely the highest ranking of all of them. So on the bottom, in the bottom slot is the platform classic, and this I liked because. In, not exactly, but this is sort of how I pictured the show would be when I was seeing the trailers and, you know, the first episode and the setup for it. I pictured it would be uh, that racing would be it would be sort of centered around the racing, you know, uh, since that was sort of the the main like um, recreational thing that kept and morale boosting thing besides Anzi's bar, besides alcohol <laughs> in in the show. So I figured like it would a lot of this show would just center around races and the racers and their and their, you know, their trials and tribulations and rivalries and stuff. And so that 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 show sort of like felt like that. So I, I just have a special place for that one. So I also have the platform classic, but for completely different reason. Um my uh the, this one i well for what i just like the racing the aspect and stuff like that and i think the drama the drama the drama and the um and, and story is balanced really well with the action but really like this is a really good example that not everything in star wars has to be at the same level of a death star like this is a very small episode about Giger and his brother and is my i'm sorry is my phone I thought my phone was on silent, but I keep hearing it. Sorry, it's distracting me. Oh, it's my iPad. That's what it is. Sorry, I hope you got distracted. <laughs> um, but yeah, like not everything in Star Wars has to be at the level of a Death Star to be good and dramatic. This is a very quiet episode about Yeager and his brother. And the drama is still there. The stakes are high. And... It's a good example of how to do really personal stories in Star Wars with high stakes, how to handle reveals and character reveals. This is where we find out about Yeager's family. Um, it's it's really well done. And I really think episodes like this are what's leading to us to have things like um, series that we things that we see in The Mandalorian, things that we're seeing in Bad Batch. You know, this was kind of the template of that. And we had some of that before with Rebels and Resistance. But I think this is a really good way of showing that balance. And that's something that animation does really well. And I think that's something that television shows do really well. This is where Star Wars television shines. Because in the movies, you only have so much time. But here you can have like a racing episode where it's revealed that yeah. Eager's brother killed his family by accident. And that's a high drama. That's And, and yeah, so I, I really love it for that reason, too. All right, my next one, I don't think you've got this one, is uh, The Doza Dilemma. 
this would be a very uh, the last half of the season, which is my favorite chunk. It was really difficult. <laughs> yeah, this is this sort of fits into that whole area. It's in a it's in a portion of the show with high drama, mm-hmm. and this one just has a has a nice dramatic flow to it. Plus, it's really really nice to look at, and especially at the end with the pirate ships. Oh yeah. In the in the green mist and stuff. It's just it's drama and the visuals are tuned to the drama. I just I I like those in Yeah. That pirate ship coming out of the fog is easily one of the best shots of the entire series. <laughs> it's so pretty. Did I lose you, Chris? No, no, I just oh. realized that you probably were supposed to pick one next time. I don't know why I just went oh, on. No, it's fine, things. it's fine, because now I'm going now. Now you pick one. Did you have uh, another one? Anything else for the Doza Dilemma? Nope. Okay. Um, my next one was The High Tower. I, I really love this episode. This is where actually the series really clicked for me. And it started, like, really firing on all cylinders. Um, I think it showcases the classism of the series really well. Um, It showed, like, the different worlds that they live in. It introduced a lot of the social themes that we spent the rest of the series um, exploring. Um, We got some of Tam's backstory with Hype, which was really great for her character. And we also have Kaz really starting to understand that being a spy isn't a social club as things are being shot at him and he almost dies. So, like, there's a lot of really good character, like, revelations in this. This is, excuse me, this is when the story starts coming together. And I'm going to probably, I'm definitely going to bring it up later, but the scene where they're all betting on whether or not Kaz will die is great. Yeah, yeah. What is your next one? This My is next one, one is one I'm surprised that you didn't have either was uh, Bebo. I it's, well that's the thing I like Bebo, but I like I just like other episodes more than it. Mm. So. I like it. I'm I'm it's getting the points because right up the we haven't had a kaiju in Star Wars really since uh, the Zillow monster, so th- that's always gonna be and in contrast to the Zillow monster. This one has a happy ending for everyone. And the the kaiju goes away happy, which makes me happy because I almost always side with the giant animal. So, yes, this had a very it had a kind of a Star Trek ending to it, you know, mm-hmm. where where everybody came to an understanding, like an understanding and, and hugged each other in the end. So I like that. I like this one a lot. That one's also another one of the prettiest episodes of the show, too. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. It, just, it had a lot of underwater and water stuff, which is always a strong point with this show. Even just something as simple as, like, a tentacle coming out. Like, they had water dripping down and hitting the sides of the platform and the water going down the sides. Like, it's a really, really pretty episode. Yeah. Um, my next one was The First Order Occupation. And this is another episode that's just really firing a lot. First of all, the elevator scene is wonderful. It's it's fantastic where OP Pit gets on the elevator with Snara and Kaz. And like they're just all awkwardly standing there with elevator music <laughs> playing. It's just so funny. And OP Pit just like, I lost my floor sweeper. And I think it's Kaz who's just like, I'm sorry for your loss. It's so funny. Like this is this is like that like where the humor of the show really shines. 
Um, but what I also really like about this episode is it does a really good balance of showing a lot of the gray areas. Like, Sonara knows that Kaz is a spy. Kaz and Niku both know that Sonara is a pirate. But they help each other because, because they're all, like, good people. But where this really happens is it's showing how the First Order infiltrates. It's scary. You know, like, seeing citizens of the Colossus being dragged away screaming, I know my rights, as they're being, like, taken away. Like, it's such a scary moment. And it just does such a good job of balancing all of that. And it's it's so well done. I love it. And that, that end scene of Sonara sitting in the ocean on her pod with the little flying fish around her is just really gorgeous. Um, it's, it's another just really beautiful scene. So I really, really, really love the First Order occupation. And our, our last two are the same. Yes. I'll switch off with you. So because I saved my favorite for the last and that's your second to last. So we'll, we'll okay. tag off. So, so you go Okay, so so um, okay. Well, if I do my next one, that's going to be your next, your top one. So why don't you do, do the next two, and then I'll finish up with my last two because they're the same. Okay, okay. We'll so my top two are the disappeared, and they sort of go together. The disappeared and no escape, you know, which is a two two parter. But I just counted it as one. I did too. And the disappeared, it's because that's the one where. You know, you can pile up all the cliches, you know, everything, all the cards got laid out, the shit hit the fan, you know, things got real. It's it's where it's where a line gets crossed, you know, and and the first order is it. There's just no secret as to their intentions and their, you know, their taking over of the authority of it and that's always the most like dramatic intense parts of of this it's like no nobody can pretend that everything's normal anymore and uh you know no escape i just think as as a uh well for one you know what a radical there's like between seasons uh, there's usually you know a culmination at the end of a season and then the other season picks up and sometimes like years will pass it you know like in in rebels and and stuff like that or time you know a time period will pass but this is this show actually there's just a strong line but you know it almost becomes a different show second season you know it's it's changed its whole location and its whole premise from that point on so this is where it all this is where that all happens and uh and the way they do it it pulls all the elements that they've had working up until this point and all their ma- and brings all their main themes out into a culmination that works perfectly. Yeah. Um it, it just kind of hit me um as you were talking about how the show changed its premise. Um, I'm going to definitely get back to this later because I think I have it somewhere in my notes about how this show has really been following um, a lot of the vibe of current animation. And as you were talking about that, you very suddenly reminded me of Amphibia, um, which has been on my mind very recently because the season two finale just wrapped up on Saturday and oh my fucking God. Um but Amphibia kind of did the same thing. Like, season one has a very different tone from season two. Um, and it actually almost changes how they tell the story. 
Um, and that, as you were talking, that kind of reminds me of how resistance works. Like the the how of the story changes. Um, it's been very slice of life, kind of like a little adventure adventure week, slowly introducing the plot. It's been more of a character show. And season two changes to where it's almost like um, it changes to an on the run show. Where on the run and all for one, where everybody's has to work together. Everybody's, yeah, you know, and the old show was just sort of doing commerce and doing their own thing. And now they're all just like in a common struggle to stay alive, basically. Yeah, and that's kind, safe. that's kind of common with a, a lot of shows nowadays. Because um, not as much as the other two as Amphibian Resistance, but Owl House kind of does that too. Owl House, its first season is very, um, we're in a magical world and there's like school and magic school and stuff like that. And then the season one finale changes. And of course, at the time of this recording, Owl House season two hasn't started, but I can only assume what the season two will, will bring because the season one is like the point of no return. Um, and it's, it's, it's really interesting. I really enjoy this kind of um, storytelling that a lot of current animation is doing because uh from season to seasons, the shows change. And I and I like that to where it's not kind of the same thing because you don't actually... When, when I first started watching, say, like, this series and this opening episode where we have, like, Kaz just being like, I'm in the resistance. I was not expecting it to end with his homeworld being blown up and Tam leaving, you know? Um, and, it, and it changes the series, and that's really fun. Um, Hey, my last two are also No Escape Part 2, 1 and 2, and The Disappeared, <laughs> but in the opposite order. Um, I really enjoy No Escape Part 1 and 2 because No Escape is just its just a really satisfying finale. Um, it turns, uh, it fits in like, oh, here's my note, it fits in with current animation where it turns the story on its head um, with Tam leaving. And it's, that's been a trend in current animation recently where... Um, it doesn't follow the cliches. The the cliche would have been Tam staying and fighting with her friends, but nah, she leaves. And it's unexpected. And um, it's just really a culmination of everything. You get to see all of our favorite characters. Everybody comes together. Everyone fights together. This God, the shots of the Colossus rising out of the water. Oh, my God. It's gorgeous. And watching it, like, just lift up into the stars... Oh my god, like I am not the visual person, and those scenes send me crazy. I love them. Um, but yeah, like it's just a very solid finale from beginning to end, and Tyranny is great. She's my favorite villain. I love that girl. I didn't mention her enough in these notes, but I love her. Um, but my very, my favorite episode, and this to me is actually the best episode of the series. I know I said this. I am about to rewatch season two for the first time, for my second time through, so this opinion could change. But as right now, The Disappeared is my favorite episode of the entire series. Um, it's just it's just such a great balance of what makes Resistance good. It balances the comedy. It's still a little slapsticky, but not too much. Um, it's still funny. Um, but then you're balancing it with, like, this really dark Holocaust imagery of our alien characters that we know and love in shipping containers getting ready to be shipped off to a prison camp or death. And it's such a great balance of those two worlds of telling this dark story while still being resistance and still being having that fun and seeing everything coming together and seeing like Doza and Yeager encouraging Kaz and Tora to act. And 
it's just it's such a really really good episode and i really love that one a lot too um i also want to shout out the shorts um i know we just covered them last week but i really enjoyed the shorts because the shorts were a lot of the stuff that i wanted more of in the series like the racers and the aces and the the citizens like or conflicts like so i just want to like just mention the shorts because that was a lot of what I wanted more in the series, and those provided for them. And I feel like we don't get to talk about the shorts. <laughs> yeah, they they did provide a little bit, but I I just feel like we never get to acknowledge the shorts and stuff like this. Like when we were doing Rebels, did we ever go back and re-acknowledge the shorts ever again after we talked about them that one episode? No. So. No, but they didn't really provide anything that we didn't that was missing. They were just so they 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 did a different set of actions. They. They they more just sort of set up the characters, you know. Yeah, but I feel like at least with the resistance shorts, like we got to see the aces probably more than we get to see them mostly in the first season. Griff yeah. actually had lines in the shorts. He didn't have lines in most of the season, yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah, I just wanted to note them. All right, next question: What was your least favorite episode of the season, and why? AKA, what thirty minutes do you want back in your life? Well, there was a one that I really, that, that, I mean, there hasn't been for a while one that was a 30 minutes that back since Clone Wars that I really wanted back. But I just had to go back through my notes and look for the lowest and this and fuel for the fire, I think, got like a 7.5, which is pretty low for me in, in Star Wars shows. And it was that was where it was in the early phases of Kaz's character. And he was just annoying me. The writers were annoying me more than anything because they were just sort of being repetitive with his. He would he would he would do do the same sort of character beats and like learn a lesson and then in the next and then be sort of doing it again, you know. And uh, it was getting it was a little frustrating for me, but it, not enough to make me like, well, oh, I hated that show, you know. But that's about that's about it bad as i guess i can find <laughs> yeah no it was between feel for the fire and the triple dark um i think the reason why feel for the fire didn't hit this for me was because it's jace Ruckland's introduction and i think ruckland ruckland is such a yeah. important character um but i did feel that way in the triple dark um episode two and three are the hardest for me in the series because well that in the box vortex 5000 which we will get to next season um because it's i don't mind it now because i'm familiar with the series and i'm familiar with the humor but it's those two episodes but i'm mostly talking about the triple dark is so heavy slapstick right out of the gate which is like one of the things that most people criticize about the series and it's just one of those things you're either gonna really like it or you're not and and then both are fine some that kind of humor is not everybody's jam and i mean there's a reason why people don't like ewoks <laughs> you know because they're kind of slapsticky um but it's i i think that's kind of was a lot of people's breaking point like like the first the recruit the very first episode like that two-parter it's fine it's a little bit of comedy but triple dark goes really heavy into the slapstick and i think that was a lot of people's turnoff which is why when i tell people to watch resistance i'm like get to the fourth episode get to the high tower if you can get to the high tower and the series still doesn't work for you it's not going to be for you 
because that's when the series really starts firing. But yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of this these episodes. I think I think it does do some good things. I like how it shows Kaz's privilege and how he's just like, what I have to budget? What? And I think those are really interesting character beats for him. I just wish those were more of the focus versus him doing his kind of goofies, uh, like sneaking around because I want people to like the show. But I have trouble selling those to adults because it's a very, very, very young audience thing, which is a very, very much a turnoff because people are not going to watch the series to get to like the darker themes in the back half of season one, which is really good. But people have to get through yeah. this. And I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that that sort of tears me, too, because as an adult, I want it to be more adult. But at the same time, like I have to say to myself, like, hey, you know, if this is set for little, you know, if they want little kids to see this, there's concessions to be made in story stuff and presentation. And I'm willing to take those concessions because I think there should be Star Wars. I think a good chunk. Of, I think most of Star Wars should be made to be compatible yeah. with little kids. So, but like this one was more like not as much compatible as it was aimed for a younger audience too, you know? So, you know, at a certain point, there's an amount of it that, you know, I mean, I can't lay claim to it belonging to me and, you know, having to having to slavishly fit my aesthetic because my aesthetic is, you know, is more adult, you know, so I'll get frustrated with that stuff. But like they're, they're for the most part, they're very good. About, yeah. Like not making it infantile, you know. It's it's good for kids, but it's not infantile or like, I, you know, I hollow think, and shallow. I think that's where those two get me because it almost feels like Resistance was trying to find its voice, um, in those early episodes. Like it didn't know what kind of tone it wanted to set, um, and I feel like it it really hit that nice tone about the mid-season finale to the end, where it was a nice balance of the comedy and the darker stuff. But these early episodes, I don't think they knew quite what tone they wanted to use because, well, for one, this is really the the first Star Wars show that's really just doing just straight character stuff. There's really, like, what plot happened in the first half of the season? Not a lot. Like, there's not a lot of plot there. Um, so I think it was them trying to figure out how to do this really for the first time. And a lot of times when you're the first show to do something, you're going to take your hits and you're going to take your nuts because you're, you're forming that new ground. And this is why I said like resistance really had to walk. So like shows like Mando and Bad Batch could run because, you know, we're having like, we had an entire episode where Omega and Hunter were chasing down a dragon on a planet to get a flashlight. Like what, you know, like there's I no think, I think Man- Mando and the Bad Batch have an added advantage to where being more adult, they can just automatically, you know, they, they're up on the violence and the, 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 you know, the, the just sort of adult feel of it. So they, they have that advantage of being able to like, get their their adult audience engaged immediately you know yeah because because the 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 mandalorian pulled the opposite trick where it was all hard at the beginning and then softened up as it went along you know (laughs) yeah until he became a little little cry baby sweaty sweaty guy in a commando suit oh i love you baby yoda (laughs) no no i'm 
I well, first I hope you're joking. <laughs> yes. I know. He was know. sweaty. He was a swe- like sweaty face, sweaty face boy. But I, I, the reason I was laughing because I was, I was talking with Arzu, who, who was our guest on our High Republic episode. I was joking around that um, we, we tend to like characters who are, what was it that I said? Hold on, edit this out. I want to get the exact phrasing down. I want to pull it up right best. Edit this out. 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 I might not edit it out just for that song. Edit it out. Just for the edit. Oh, okay. We were talking about... Here comes the edit this out. (laughs) Now Um, I have to leave it in. We have a whole song for it now. Okay, okay. Well, um, we were talking about how we liked characters, and I called them a romance mullet, where it's uh, like bad boy in the front and in public, but it's like woo-woo soft boy in the back (laughs) in private. And that's how I... Yeah, yeah, and that's how I kind of feel like um, a lot of these like shows are like I'm well, for one I'm ready to have more moms in Star Wars because now we have two currently running shows about gruff gruff boys in the front who get a baby and now they're all woo woo dads in the back, <laughs> and so yeah, um, and and that's why I think I th- why I think um, why I like Resistance. It's not a safe show. It wasn't trying to be so, yeah. All right, next question. Who is the strongest slash best developed character of this season? Oh, it's that's an easy one. It's it's Kaz, because he starts out the the most like kind of not flawed character, but he's the greenest. He's a greenhorn. He doesn't know what's going on. He's out of his. He's a fish out fish out of water. Except he's a fish in water. He's a he's a non fish now in fish water and. Um, yeah, so he's, he's got, and he's also thrust into the position of a spy. So he's got to, um, develop faster than everybody else who's pretty much settled into their place when he comes in. So yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's Kaz and uh, it should be, you know? Yeah. Um, that's my answer too. So I'm going to go to the second round. Uh, because it would be me pretty much repeating what you said. Um, I thought probably kind of a three-way tie was between Tam, Yeager, and Sonara, but all for completely different reasons. <laughs> so yes, Kaz is first, but those three are the separate. Um, I think for Sonara, she has probably the biggest change of the series, and we only have half her stories right now. Um, because she starts off, like, in the triple dark, like, wanting to wreck and destroy the Colossus. And, of course, we see her, like, grow and change and, like, meet these people and have a place that she calls home and, like, feel for these people and love them. And, of course, we go into, like, season two and that goes on. So we only have half her story. Tam is interesting because she almost goes backwards like she starts in a place where she's comfortable with people and she loves and she retreats from that and makes a different choice and then Yeager um starting in episode one as like the gruff like I don't want anything to do with your resistance Poe I don't want you here like I don't I'll I'll watch your kid but I'm not going to do anything for him to slowly grow and get back into the fight to where he's finally in his plane and he comes back into the fold again like those three characters like they don't have as much change as Kaz does, but I think they are tied for second place for a completely different reason. So, yeah, but Kaz is the first. I just didn't want to have the same answer. 
Okay. What? This is funny because I just said that and I'm looking at your answer for the next question. Who do you think is the weakest character? Who to you has the weakest character development of the season and why? It's it's Tam's close, but it's it's weak because they they should have just spent more time with her, you know, as a character. But she does get character development or changes, you know. It's not really character development, but Kaz just is sort of the catalyst that pushes her, pushes pushes her over the edge. But I think Yeager has the least development. He has the, the show with his brother, but that's not as much. That's a little bit of development. It's almost more for his brother at that point. But it, he Yeager Yeager gets more backstory than he gets development. But season one is like the big setup for for the Yeager um like character like I would I think is ca- like major character changes in the in the context of the series. So I think he's set he's set up for it in season 1. The the events of the last couple episodes of season 1 like are propelling Yeager into change, but we just sort of caught him at the beginning of it at the end of the season. So it's not that it, it, so it's not a negative thing that he has the least amount. It's just a, it's his it, it, it's not his place for like where it's necessary for him to develop. Mm. All right, I'm gonna preface my answer by saying this is not a slight. I'm totally okay with this because um, sometimes in some pieces of media, characters don't get developmental arcs, and that's fine. What's strange about this, though, is it's a main character. So normally, main characters have character arcs, and they change, and they grow. And sometimes they don't get those in stories, and that's okay. So my answer is actually Niku. Because, especially knowing the entire series, he does not have a changing character arc. He's just solidly Niku. From beginning to end, season one and season two. He's a solid person. He's totally comfortable in his own skin. He's perfectly happy with who he is. And people love him for it. And that is totally okay. See, I, 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 I in my thought process, I sort of had the same thought. And I was going to put down Niku. But then I started thinking about it. And I think Niku did get a good amount of change. But it's he's so Niku that it's just subtle it's it's not it's not like changing the way he acts or something but it's changing the way he sees things and that's the biggest i think character changes since he's so consistent that's the, that's the way his character would change and niku definitely got confronted by a lot of contradictions that you could tell that he'd never been confronted with before you know mm-hmm. like um you know that that um a I first, also a first order spy is you know he was he was under the assumption that a first order spy is a bad thing and then all of a sudden he's got to be like oh no first order spy is my friend and i'm on his side you know and yeah. so he had a lot of like situations where all of a sudden he was doing things that he probably never would have done that would have been like completely morally objectionable to him and uh and he glides through them pretty uh 
And that's another reason it doesn't seem as like much of a character change because he just glides into him, you know, but that's part of his personality. So I think it's just hard to see any (laughs) changes in Niku, but they were there. But like it wasn't it was a very minor thing, but that was the only reason he didn't make my uh, character development. list. Um, the first thing that came to my mind as you were talking about that was actually Tam and Kaz's argument about the First Order. And he was just like, I also feel safer, safer in a threatened by the military sort of way. Um, where he was being presented, that's what I was thought, thinking of. And then I realized, as you were talking, I just started watching the show Ted Lasso. Have you seen it? Never heard of it. It's great. And I just realized that Niku is pretty much the main character, Ted. Um, this, if, 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 if for one, I'm, I'm only two episodes in, so uh, I, but I really enjoyed it. It's a very pure, wholesome show where this American college football coach gets hired by a Premier League soccer team in England to teach them to be their coach. And he is just the most pure, wholesome guy. And he can turn any situation, no matter how negative, into a positive. And he's just wholesome and pure in it. As you were talking, I just realized that Niku is Ted Lasso and is fantastic. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, I totally see what you're saying. Um, I still feel like Tam and Yeager outdo Niku a little bit to me. Yeah. But, and, but and I'm, I also, also... I'm also okay with that, though. Like, some characters just don't need to have the... Like, well, yes, I would love to learn more about Niku. I would love to get more backstory. I would love to him. But he also doesn't need it. Like, he's just fine being Niku, and I'm totally okay with that. You were about yeah. to say? Yeah, no. So, I mean, through situations like the situation we have in this, there are some characters who would just sort of go through it like Niku would. So, yeah. 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 All right, next question. Who or what would you have liked to have seen more of in the first season? Oh, the turtle people. Like, Clone Wars had my Grievy, um, and um, Rebels had had my my Bendu, and the turtle people are my my buddies in in uh, in Resistance. I love the turtle people. Want to see more? Want to know more about the turtle people? They love you too, Chris. <laughs> of course they do. They're the turtle people. They are just they're, 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 they're Thank you for letting me finish my bet you were saying. <laughs> but they, yeah, but like this show is like, you know, they're not as they're not as uh, well, I mean I mean Grievy was a bad guy, but Bendu Bendu was Bendu was great too and he was kind of mellow he was Bendu'd at first but Bendu had his his uh spiky edges to him but the turtle people are are 100,000% chill and I like the turtle people and I I wanted to see wanted to see more of them in action Oh yay good I love them too I think they're such an interesting like introduction or, or not introduction like there's such an interesting um oh my yeah brain just stop what can... are they called species species is the word i was looking for that my brain just like bailed on like halfway through <laughs> you can tell there's just like a lot to them you know and plus mm-hmm. they've got that edge like bendu where they're they're tortoise people and turtles and tortoises are notoriously long-lived 
So you think of them as being really wise. And since they're so slow, you think of them as being sort of Zen-like, patient. They have to be patient and methodical the way they do things. It's they're, they're the closest thing to like Jedi and the Force in this, but they're the most like pure wholesome elements of like the force and jedi in star wars so they're awesome without really being being that (laughs) now that i think about it like they actually had some of the best comedy bits too like in the finale when the door opened and there was a turtle person and the guards went outside and the door closed and you kaz and you could beat them up and then it opens and like the turtle person's just dragging bodies away (laughs) Yeah. yeah um for me, uh, what I would like to have seen more of is actually Phasma. Um, season one could have done a lot with Phasma, especially especially in hindsight, because when season one was running, we didn't know that she was going to be dying in December, you know? Um, so we thought we would be getting more of this character, and then, lo and behold, she dies in The Last Jedi. So we only have, like, what, two, like, two, three episodes here, and then four... So I just... I really wanted more of her. Um, I thought this would have been a really good opportunity to use her more. Maybe instead of having Pyre there, even though it'd be a little, it'd be weird to have Phasma doing Pyre's job, but it would have been a cool way to get more Phasma. And I would almost want story weirdness to have more with that character than have, you know, it work out. But don't get me wrong, I do love Pyre and I like him as a character, but I just, I feel like, I just that that's just a character I want more of, and this was the opportunity to do it. Um, I think to it, have yeah, a lot screen. of it has has to do with the way they did the sequels, and they probably didn't know what what they couldn't. You know, they were I unsure mean, what they couldn't couldn't do with Phasma, so they could just do the bare minimum with her. You know, to to hedge their bets. You know. Especially because, like, um, Bad Batch has to, Bad Batch, um, animation in general has to be so far in advance. Like, season one was done before, while they were still creating The Last Jedi. If Um, if If they had all three sequel trilogies mapped out in a rough way... Like, like, with, like with they, they would do with Clone Wars. They knew where they could play around in Clone Wars. Right. Well, yeah, yeah. They, they, I mean, they had the, the, the lucky situation in Clo- Clone Wars of having all the three movies done. But, yeah, but at the same time, if you just generally had an idea where the three movies were going in a plan form, or at least the coming... It, it seems like with all the movies, it might have been like they might not have been sure if Phasma was going to live or die at the end of Last Jedi. They probably cut it a couple ways, you know, see what see what worked out best. So it just... If they, you know, if, if you had a general idea of Phasma's arc through the three movies and stuff, you could do stuff that, like, works with that or shades in something or sets up something that's going to show up in the third movie and stuff but i don't think they had that i think yeah so that they just like sort of you know it's better it's better to have pyre and and um tyranny to sort of fill in that you know serve that you put the two of them together and you sort of got phasma and uh here's a good example of do whatever you want with those two you know you can kill them yeah Here's a really good example of how far in advanced animation is before live action. 
So um, I am currently looking at Finnick Shan's uh, concept artwork for the latest Bad Batch episode, Cornered. Um, they just released it. And the date of this concept art is May 23rd, 2019. Yeah, Ming I was just thinking it had to be about 2019. Yeah, yeah, and here's the thing. Ming-Na Lin wasn't even announced as Finnick Shan until August, like six months later. And then she didn't premiere in The Gunslinger until December. So they already had her concept design and probably already had her recorded six months well before they yeah. even announced her in Star Wars. Yeah. So that's how far ahead that animation has to be, which is part of the reason why uh, Resistance got stuck in this like kind of weird loop, um, this kind of weird place. And yeah, um, yeah. All right, next question. What was your top what the fuck moment of the season? Well, now that I'm looking at yours, it's definitely yours. <laughs> I forgot about that, but the one that I remembered was uh, uh, the 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 I the first time I watched season one, and I realized they're gonna uproot this show and put it into space, like Battlestar Galactica or Space 1999. I was like, that is crazy. That's crazy. That's great. You know, it was very. It's a very interesting idea. And they were and and they'd done so well world building in this one place and made it so such a cool location that it just took a lot of guts to be like, okay, we're gonna uproot it and make this a different kind of show. So I remember when I realized that they were actually gonna do it, you know, and I think it was the moment when they went into into hyperspace, you know, that I was just like, well, <laughs> you know uh they did it <laughs> they 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 actually went there so that that was uh a big big th th it was a it was a um good what the fuck moment yeah um, but yours is yours is actually better i was that was just like holy shit that's right what wow <laughs> mine was in the finale where it actually showed sharks eating stormtroopers and dragging them down into the ocean and like grabbing them by their legs as the stormtroopers arms are just like ah and watching them get dragged away knowing that they're going to their deaths and good fuck those space nazis but i remember just being like oh my god the sharks are eating them oh my god and then that was a the, crunch, yeah. There's a crunch. There's a definite crunch. And I, I do like that one, like, you know, after the commercial break, you see the shark just swim by with, like, a stormtrooper helmet in its mouth. Just like, yay! <laughs> I ate food! They're so cute as they devour the space Nazis. So, uh, yeah. Though, I will say, your moment in two questions, this was almost it. I think the star sharks eating the stormtroopers were slightly more than this one. Than yours in two questions. Um, just because I was not expecting sharks to eat stormtroopers in the show. So, <laughs> next question: What was your best robot slash droid moment? Only because I wanted Bucket. I've always wanted Bucket to be the droid on this show. Like, I do. I I I I do like CB23, but I wish it would have been just Bucket and C. Like. There, there was just too, too many, too many droids competing for who's gonna be the, who's gonna be the lead droid when Bucket was the first one there, and it, it was Bucket all along. So I like, I like in the, in the last episode where Bucket, or well, it, it was in the next to the last episode, wasn't it? The, the one where Bucket basically just fogs down the troopers and goes into a red alert plan, you know, 
plan theta b two fifteen with a with a right flank maneuver in it that he and Jaeger worked out. That was that was awesome. You know, his Terminator um mode deployed and then my second place would be um I can't remember her name but but the na- the nanny droid Oh admin uh her na- we're 40 We're 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 yeah we're um Yeah her name is 4D but in lead it spells it spells out admin Uh if well 40 4D when 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 Doza's just like 4D <laughs> stop them <laughs> Yeah and she just and goes she just into full psycho into- mode. That's my that's my runner up. It was it's probably better. It's probably better than Bucket attacking the troopers. But I'm I'm I like to throw my my uh, vote behind Bucket every yeah. time. You still haven't seen Wandavision, have you? No. <sighs> I want to make time. A joke. Time is my enemy. I know. I know. Because you were like it's Bucket all along, and my first. Anybody who has seen One Division knows what I'm talking about. Okay, Chris will one day know what that means. It's all the time. No, it's all along. It's bucket all along. Yeah, anybody who knows that knows what I'm talking about. Anyway. Everybody but me. Um, my best droid and robot moment. Um, oh my god. It's- are you feeling like how I feel when you're just like, Hope, have you seen this movie? And I'm like, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Roles have been reversed. <laughs> um, for me, everything CB23 does is great. You know, when she's, like, throwing gorgs at Stormtroopers, like, she's sassing them off. I love when her little arm comes out and she puts it on her hip when she's sassing at things. And she's just like, me, me, me. And I'm just like, I love you so much. But I especially love when... Like, Murder Ball comes up, and Murder Ball is like, I'm going to stop you. And she's just like, bring it on, bitch. And she, like, fights that Murder Ball and, like, absolutely takes it out. Like, CB-23 makes uh, BBA looks like a punk-ass bitch. <laughs> so, I love CB-23. She's my girl. She can do no wrong. Um, but, yeah, like, I actually, as you were talking about it, I, lo- I do love that moment when 4D just goes, like, crazy <laughs> and just, like, attacks yeah. things. Um, the but eyes turn red. But also, like, 40s moment where Tora is sneaking out and she gives Buggles to 4D and Buggles pees on the floor. And, and in a very droid voice, 4D is like, Buggles, oh, Buggles. <laughs> Wait, I don't think I mentioned Buggles at all in this at all, but <gasps> we had a Buggles in the latest Bad Batch episode. Yes, we did. I was just thinking that myself. Yep, the Buggles. <laughs> There were more than one, but there were there was a box of buggles. There was a, there was box, a box of box. Do you know how much I lost my shit? The moment I I because I heard it, I heard them first because you know they're, they're off screen, and the moment I heard it, I was like, that sounds like buggles. And then they rolled. Well, there by were also was, lost cats that sort of looked. They were yeah. either lost cats or two cats or. Ah, uh, ah. Uh, it's hard to I, determine, but there was some sort of cat. They were two no, cats. No, no, they no. Were Buggles has a very distinct sound where it kind of sounds like a dog stuck inside a. Well, a yeah, no, no, but they had they had them also. They also had. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm, what I'm talking about is when Omega is with Echo and they're talking to the 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 guy about selling Echo and stuff like that. Like you hear the Vorpax off screen, 
And the moment I heard them, I was like, that sounds like Buckles. And then they came into the shot and rolled by, and I was like, And you no! see their lumpy bodies, and there's just no mistake. They're so, they're, yeah, they're little Borgnines. You can't mistake them. Yeah, they are the pugs of Star Wars. And I, I loved seeing I, – I, I think that was what was so interesting, was seeing something that's so clearly – because there's actually two resistance things. That little droid clink that was like worked with the female C-3PO that had like the little arms and he looks like the lost in space droid and he kind of like waddled everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like that's actually a resistance droid that first debuted. I think his name is like LE-12 or something. He's a droid that lives on the Colossus. And so I'm enjoying seeing these like resistance things translate into a Clone Wars style. Like Buckles looks still looks very resistant. He has those bright, very animated eyes. Like those very bright eyes that look almost cartoony, but they're not quite cartoony because they're in Clone Wars' style, which is very interesting. So, <laughs> I, yeah, so it, I just love it. All right, final question for both of us. Is there a moment that you're still not over in the season, whether it's funny, sad, happy, or ju- you're just not over this moment? And just, yeah. Yeah, easy. Nico eating his pet. <laughs> they made him to gave him to so he could feel better about Bebo and he's just like oh thank you glump that was almost my what the fuck moment but the shark slightly beat it off Nico's shown a few a few psychotic moments during the show so it's always fun when he does yeah mine is still high tower Kaz is running for his life and everyone's placing bets on him whether or not he's gonna yeah. die Especially Niku's line of just like, oh, he's still alive. <laughs> just they're all just like, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> and just how it how it starts so organically, like cat, like because like Tam is like looking out the window in horror, like oh my god. And then Aunt Z sees him, and she's just like, I bet twenty credits he dies. Well, I realize they've done it before, and probably the probably most people aren't as lucky as Kaz. I know, and it's so funny. I think because, especially because it's so early in the show, it was so unexpected, and it still cracks me up. And how they're just like watching it like some sports thing. Like Kaz's like hanging off the ledge for his life, and they're just like, oh, he made it. Yes. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. All right, so now we are going to move on where we ask questions for each of us. So let's see, you and me, you and me, you and me, you and me. I think there's five. I think we there's got five, five pieces. Yeah. So uh, we wrote questions for each other. Um, and yeah, so I'm just deciding who goes first. Me, you, me, you, me, you, me, you, me, you. You ask me first because then we can end on my evolution. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. Good, yeah, good point. What so. is the most neglected element in this first season? Um, I kind of two answers for different reasons. Um, See, because first... I, I, I sort of knew at the tour, and I'm like, oh, I wonder what she's going to pick, but I should have known you just picked both of them. Oh, I'll just pick both. And, and one I kind of already talked about a little bit. Um, so, like, Phasma was a big thing, and I, I kind of talked about that. But some of the first character order characters, I kind of wish we got a little bit more of, because I love Pyre. Tyranny can do no wrong, but Pyre and Tyranny are staples for the rest of the series. So I I almost wish they were like season one villains and then season two villains, because Phasma I've already talked about, but Von Reg, the red pilot guy, he just is kind of there. He's sort of there and then he dies. <laughs> you know, he doesn't really do anything. He's just kind of there. 
he looks cool as hell. But I guess that's, that is a staple in Star Wars because, you know, Boba Fett didn't originally yeah. do anything. He kind of just yeah, no, that's, cool a, that's a that's total staple. thing. And, and it's just sort of a commentary that, like, yeah, the, the war is full of flashy ace pilots. But you know what? Sometimes they get <laughs> they get just Take blown up. Pretty, yeah, early yeah. on in their career. Boy, this guy's doing great. Oh, there he goes, you know. Yeah, so I, I kind of would have liked to see more Von Reg and, and Phasma for reasons I've already talked about. But my, my real answer is the aces. Um, like, yes, Tor and Hype get a lot of, of show in this. Like, Tor is a main character. Hype has most of the stories. And that continues into season two. So really what I'm talking about is Bo, Freya, and Griff. Those are the three characters, not just for this season, but the entire show. This will be my answer in season two. If you ask me this in season two, it will be my exact same answer. Um, So, like, those three get nothing, really nothing. Like, Griff gets two episodes at the end of season two. Freya gets nothing. And Bo actually does get nothing. (laughs) And that's a little bit weird because they were... But before the show started, they were heavily promoted. All the aces were like they had interviews with all five, like all their voice actors, except for Dave, because Dave was not Dave. Dave is the uh, Dave Filoni is the voice of Bo and he was off doing other things. But the other four, they did interviews with all of their voice actors, sat them down. They talked in depth about their characters and who they are. They talked about their ships. They were so heavily promoted. And then there are a bunch of nothing in both seasons particularly the three that I mentioned. At least, now now Hype gets a lot of story because it's Donald Faison. He's the big, like, he's, like, the big outside star that came into the series for this. But, like, Tora and Tora's the main character, so, like, that's, like, the aces just need more. And I think that's why I liked their shorts, because at least Griff and Bo spoke. <laughs> at least they had lines. And I was like, yes, this, more, give me more, like, in these shorts, this, this, so... That's, I just this, thought of this. Shouldn't have Von Reg been Baron Von Reg? Because then he would have been, he would have been the Red Baron. That is who he is based on, yes. Um, but he's Major Von Reg because I don't think they should have made him Baron Von Reg and just never said Red Baron, but just said called him Baron Von Reg and he would have been Red and like I think that would have, I think it would have been cool. And we've had Barons in, in Star Wars. Yeah, before. yeah. Um. But that that is who he's based on. So, but yeah, the aces and then Phasma and Von Reg would have been my are my two answers. So, all right, Chris, your first question: Resistance looks so different from all the other animated shows that we've had so far. As the visual guy, what is it that you love about Resistance's look? Well, because they sort of melded, like elements of anime, traditional like. traditional disney style cell animation and cgi and what is now sort of the traditional disney melding of of cgi and and regular animation and uh also a lot of like background work that looks like production art you know it looks like it, it looks like a lot of the production art i've seen in the past in the ways that like a lot of like Clone Wars and Rebels look like Ralph McQuarrie, this looks like production art that I've seen of the the more you know post 2000 Star Wars, and uh, which looks really cool because often that artwork is very detailed. It's more like um, 
old map paintings and stuff. And it all is just seamlessly put together and to the point of I think the faces were a little wonky in the first couple episodes, but they 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 worked it out or either that or your eye just gets used to it and it doesn't bother me at all. But uh, yeah, it just I, I mean, it just looks beautiful. And it, and and when they said anime, I thought it was going to take on a more flat look, but it actually did did just the opposite and is very has a very intensely cool sense of space to it and it's of all the cartoons so far i think this one has the best lighting it's it's just the most beautifully lit and use of sunlight and and maybe it's because it's different than what we're used to in a different setting so there it's it's a setting where there's just a huge amount of natural light but yeah, it's beautiful to look at. Yeah, I yeah, I it's so gorgeous. It almost looks like a moving painting. And I know like like Rebels was so heavy in Mercury style, um, like to to be to even being the first show to actually have a Ralph Macquarie draw, drawing in canon hanging in the background of Thrawn's office. There's a Ralph Macquarie painting in Thrawn's office. Well, well, both Rebels and Clone Wars had moments that looked like a painting come to life, but this one just looks like a painting come to life in general. You know? Yeah, at all times, and it's like I I am not the visual person, but I just constantly am just in awe of this show and it's it's so and i think it's because it was so much what i wanted like i always want new stuff in star wars i think that like like yeah i love mandalorian bad batch but they're very safe shows and they're very similar um but i think that's why i like resistance like it's so i i gasp so like i gasp watching the colossus rise out of the water because yeah it's well it's they'll, so they'll unique keep it down and beautiful. To earth and then all of a sudden they'll hit you with this in, incredibly, you know, complicated, large scale beauty shot, you know, like, like it, Bebo's mom rising out uh, of the water. And like you see Niku just like barely on the screen being super tiny in to show the size of this monster, yeah. you know, just stuff like that is something that resistance does so well. So, all right, what's my next question? All right. So we've commented about how this show is very similar to like elements of like the most Eisley or something like that and uh it's also one of the first shows where that's just crawling with aliens all the time it's the setting is in a place where like most of the characters are are aliens so um who or what kind of alien is your favorite alien and resistance first i've said it before i'll say it again resistance specifically the colossus is how i always want star wars to look at all times this is when you're in like a residential area, like, like it's, you know, if they're on Pantora in the last Somewhere episode. Somewhere interplanetary. Yeah. yeah. Like, like in the last episode, they were on Pantora. So most of the people were Pantorans. I get that. But like when it's just a mix of cultures, this is what Star Wars should always look like at all times. Period. The end. Um, but, you know, I, I really love Flix, who is a Gazo. Um, this is the first, this is the introduction of the Gazo species. Um, and I love this design. It's such a unique design. And I was thinking about it. 
this is a design that would only work in animation because if it was live action, it would be weird and wild. I already know how they would do it. I already know how to do it in live action and like it would on be stilts, I guess. Awesome. It would be it would be a he would be a puppet. He you could you could actually stick a guy in his torso. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then have have guys on stick a guy with his bottom half in a green screen and then have have guys off to his side, like four guys, one guy for each arm. And well, actually, the yeah, 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 because he's got the skinny arms, too. So the arms could be real sticks and you could just have puppeteers doing his arms and legs you know, and, mm. and just green screen him out. And he would be, he would be an old school puppet character, but I think it would be very, I think they could pull it off very realist. The Muppets have done it, done stuff like that before. So that's how I think he he's, he's doable. He's doable. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think of the puppet element. That's you being the puppet guy. That, that makes a lot of sense. I'm the puppet um, guy. You are the puppet, the puppet guy. Um, so yes, I, that does make sense as a puppet, but I, I feel like Flix really works well in animation because he's so he's so fluid because of that. You know, there's that beautiful shot, and I think it's uh, uh, whatever episode that Kaz is working their shot while they're away. Kat, like Flix has that very organic movement of in two steps stepping on his desk and, and stepping down on the other side. And it's so beautiful and fluid. And it's so unique because of his species. Um, it's just a really gorgeous shot. And he is just so unique and he's so vibrant. And I think that, and, and that's kind of the thing, like Flix himself is such a vibrant character. You know, he is just, he's such a great introduction to his species because he has very specific movements. He has very specific flourishes. Jim Rash does a really great job voicing him, which makes, which bumps me out because I wish more people would watch this so they could see Flix. So we, then we would get more Flix in other media. Like I really like this species and he's so cool. Um, and so I, I just really want more of this. Um, and I just, I fell in love with this, not only this design, but this character, like, uh, if I had to pick a favorite character of Resistance, which is very difficult because I really do love everybody in the show, it'd probably be Orkin Flex. Like, I'm just, I, they have such a little special place in my heart for me, and every time they are on screen, I just, they just chew up every scene. They're such beautiful little gays. I love them so much. They, they could carry an entire show of just them, and I love them, and they're fantastic. So I absolutely love the Gazo, and I'm glad the show gave them to me. I'm actually writing a fan fiction right now, and I have a Gazo reporter, and his um, and uh, it's really fun uh, writing it because it's such a different species that I, mean, I I get it that it's budgets and stuff like that, but like I just love animation because they can give us this non-human looking character who can emote and have so much energy, and have like these like brilliant lines and voice acting, which is just something that just is just lacking in live action Star Wars. It's just having non-human looking aliens because of budgets. And I want more non-looking human aliens in my live action Star Wars, which is where animation to me is much more superior. So, all right, Chris, you ready for your next one? Yep. So, 
around the time we were talking about like the disappeared and the first order occupation those episodes you got angry a few times at how fascism was portrayed in this series do you think the show is doing its job showing these kind of narratives if it got an angry visceral response for you Oh, I didn't. I didn't. I, I'm going to dispute that. I got mad at how fascism was portrayed because I I like how they portrayed fascism. It was a more. It's a more nuanced. It's the the easier route to portray fascism is as just black as this black and white portrayal of it, to where you know, there there's just no no nuance to it. There's no you know, it. It, it doesn't happen that way in reality. It has to have ways that it it sort of works its way in so it can convince a, a good people that, that it's either not a problem or actually good. And that's, that's what makes me mad because that's always frustrating to see when it's done well. You know, it's, it was the same thing like in like Harry Potter. Harry Potter was more dramatic because it was a book that had more time to but, you know, I, I mean, um, Dolores Umbridge is the perfect example of that. You know, it's, uh, it's they were more it was maybe they were more exaggerated characters. But at the same time, you got to see in more depth how they were able to get into their position. And people were like, well, you know, maybe Dolores Umbridge means well, you know. And then there were people who like knew that she didn't mean well, but they knew they couldn't just say that because there was enough, you know, it's more black and white, but it's frustrating to watch, you know, because you know where it's going. And that's, yeah, it was frustrating watching this and, you know, watching Tam especially and going just like, don't be a sucker. No, <laughs> but, you know, that's how it works. You specifically got mad at Yeager, too, because you were just like, just yeah. talk to her. Yeager, Yeager, Yeager knows, you know, he knows what's coming. And yeah, and he was and he wanted to avoid he wanted to avoid trouble and in involving people. But it, he knew that eventually everybody's going to have to. And it's frustrating to watch. But people do that. People procrastinate and hope for hope that it'll come out better, you know, hope that, well, maybe it won't work, you know. I mean, something could, something could go wrong with the empire, and they run they run out of a certain amount of budgetary money, and then they're like, ah, we'll uh, we'll cancel that project, and and Yeager lucks out or something like that, or you know, there's some there's some feud between Tarkin and somebody, or you know, and or not Tarkin, obviously at this point, but there's you know, some higher ups have some have an argument and some budgetary money goes in a different way and all of a sudden they leave the Colossus alone and Yeager gets a reprieve. So he was just hoping for the best and uh, he should have known better. Yeah, it's frustrating to watch. Mm -hmm. I know I'm watching a TV show where <laughs> about about the galaxy falling back into fascism. So I, I know where it's going and Yeager's, Yeager's living it. So it's just like, come on, man. Do you, do you Don't go in the basement, man. The fact that it's realistic portrayal of fascism, do you think, um, well, I kind of just set up the question wrong. Do you think of how nuanced it is in this portrayal of fascism is what makes it very realistic? It's not super nuanced, but it's nuanced for a 22-minute cartoon show, and it's nuanced actually in the context of, like, you know, portrayals of it in the past, in the, you know, 60s. 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, you know, and it, it, it's it, the, the, it's uh, it's it's it, and I think maybe Harry Potter had a lot to do with it, you know, 
it, it, and it's not they're they're not you know it's not a extremely like deft metaphor or anything just like Harry Potter but it's effective but it's it's more nuanced than something that that would be aimed at kids or preteens or teens and uh yeah which makes it more frustrating because you know but good frustrating because it's good writing yeah 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 no it's it's a testament to the writing that I was that that I was talking to the screen you know Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see. What's next? Pam. How would you have presented the uh, either the character or the whole situation with Tam differently in season one? So what's funny about this is I actually don't have any problems with how Tam's presented. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think it's actually a very clever way to choose to write her. Choosing not to show a character is still a mm-hmm. writing choice. Mm-hmm. And I think it is used actually very effective here because with Tam purposely not in missions, she's not there to see the things around her. And you start feeling you feel her frustration. You know, like we're told, like, the fireball is her ship. This is her ship. And Kaz keeps taking it and wrecking it. And we feel that frustration. We feel her being pushed away. And I remember when this was airing weekly, at the time I was listening to, um, like, Sky Talkers. And our our friends Brad and Sarah from Friends of the Force, they were on our Bebo episode. Like, they were voicing that. They were like, we miss Tam. Why is she not in the show? Like, why is she not here? Isn't she a main character? And then you get to those, like, final, like, five-ish episodes, and it makes sense. You know, like, when she chooses to go along, like, with Niku and Kaz, they have that moment, like, with the First Order, the the new Trooper episode where the kids from Tahar accidentally knock out a Stormtrooper. Kaz and Niku are like, all right, let's go. And she's like, I'm coming, too. And it's awkward because they're all like, oh, Tam's with us now. Like, that's really good writing. Um, so I, I actually don't have a problem with it. Because it makes us, the viewer, miss her, and then it makes sense, because we're just as frustrated that she's not in the show, and then you feel her frustration, because not only is she being pushed aside in the show, she's also being pushed aside for the viewer, but then it makes sense, because then all of a sudden, like, we're like, oh no, like, we haven't been paying attention to Tam, and now she's in the first order, oh my god, no Tam! So I I think it's very clever. No, at the same time, we've also been going... Come on, pay attention to Tam. She's gonna go to that. So it's another frustration thing where you're going like, "Come on, you guys, <laughs> you know, get on this, or you're gonna lose your friend." So okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I think that's something like that a, a lot of people sometimes miss. Choosing not to show a character in something is still a writing choice, and it was done purposeful here and it works really well. The reason I'm saying it because I actually have a problem with this in season two where they don't show Tam, but I don't think it's purposeful. I don't think it's done well. And so we actually don't have that much Tam in season two. And I think that is a weakness of season two. Um, But here in season one, it's done really well and it's clear what the purpose was and the intent was and it works. So, yeah. Um, so you're, okay, so for your, oh, no, no, wait, I was about to ask the next one. All right, that's one. Um, so you wanted going into this, um, more racing aspects in the show. Like, you really enjoyed that and stuff like that. 
Um, how would you implement more of a racing a uh, aspect into this show? I would have every pre-credits sequence, you know, the little minute before the the dun 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 dun, dun with uh with the racers, either a ra mostly with races going on, and uh and um with um or around you know the i want to say the track but the track is rings in in the air but you know like the racers get you know or something in the lounge you know and them having a conversation or a little argument or something every show with just that that sort of sets the tone for the story of the show and then the and then have the race sort of parallel what's going on in the story in the station or ha sometimes even have elements that cross over into it, but just sort of thematically, you know, match the energy of what's happening in there, it, you know, in the station with, with this, you know, the, with the spying and the floor buffing and, and the, and the, and the water spilling and that would actually have been kind of interesting. Sorry to cut in. But um, kind of like in the opposite, because we have that moment at, towards the end of season one where the First Order shuts down the racing. So if you had the racing open every single episode, and then for like the last like three or so, there's no opening racing, that would yeah, show a stark difference. Yeah, it's all them eating donuts at the, in the lounge going, what the hell are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but that, that would actually show a difference of just like race, 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 suddenly no races. And the, and the other thing I would do is I would have a, a sequence that I would play over and over again of the race racers running to just to pay tribute to the anime roots a repetitive sequence of the you know just before a race or to go out to fight pirates or whatever uh, you know flashing lights and a stylized sequence of all the racers running to their ships and and leaping into their cockpits to fly off but and then you know and then launching but it would be the same sequence you know like they used to do in old old cartoons, and I and, I, and, I, and I wouldn't do it every time, but I would use it like enough. four or five four or five times in a season, you know, because it would just be it would be a fun tribute, you know. I just imagine it would be cheesy and campy, but so what? It would be fun, and I'm, and kids love that stuff. They love those sequences. I love, love that stuff. Yeah, but I, that's because they when, love... when when you're a kid you see it and it's just like I. I, you know, you they, that's why they always had the same sequence of people forming into the robots and stuff, because kids would want to memorize that. And, you know, it's yeah. So it just it just take it just sort of stylizes a, an exciting part of life on there that's sort of generic that you can just throw in. And I think that would have been just a nice little that. So that's that the, I would have thrown in those elements. Not really. It would not really used it to change the story arc of the first season, but to, that's how I would have framed it. I am 33 years old, and I still love a good magical girl transformation sequence. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I uh, because when we when we get to Shira in our other podcast, only Chris watch cartoons. When we get to Shira, I love her magical girl sequence. Every single time, like I, I still to this day like love it, and I'm just yeah. uh, like I get pumped, and you know, like when we People get like those touch points to things, they like repetitive yeah. touch points from one thing. It, it defines what you're watching. 
Yeah, like I, I still could almost to this day probably act out from childhood. Right. Sailor Moon's transformation sequence. And so could all your friends who watch Sailor Moon. It's something, you know, the Sorry kids for the loud all, do, all was, do together, you know. Sorry for the loud banging noise that was. There was or a like, buggy on know, my table and I killed by, the buggy. By the power of Skull or whatever, you know, it's all. Yeah, yeah it's. Yeah, I I can. I love that gosh. shit. I love that. I shit. almost so. I almost remember the uh, Japanese. I'm about to say it incorrectly. You ready? Here's some incorrect Japanese from Sailor Moon. Like every time she posed, like she did the little I love you fingers, and she's like Kimi kwate oh and I just I just did the pose. Like it comes across her body, and she crosses her body. Like you know, yeah, yeah. I totally agree. Yes, <laughs> I love a good sequence, a good anime sequence. Anyway. All yes. right. Next one's for you. <laughs> What other uh, canonic characters from the sequel trilogy specifically do you think could have uh, they they could have uh, passed off in the show? You know, had show up. You know, in this one, it it would have to be like only maybe one episode, and I was thinking probably Station Theta Black, because we know that he works under Phasma, but I think. Even if it was just a cameo, even if it was just his voice or a cameo or even having a moment where he takes off his helmet, it would have been really interesting to see Finn. It would uh, have been it would have been really fun to have you not know it was Finn and have him just sort of mess up at some point and she's yeah. just, and she yells at him and then you realize, Oh my god, it's Finn, you know. Yeah, like even if it's just for like an episode I never have, thought of that. That was yeah. To have even just a little bit of his stormtrooper life, like you couldn't do an entire episode, especially with See, something I, like. I Station. thought about Finn, and I'm like, oh wait, it can't be Finn because he hasn't even met Poe yet. But I could, I was only thinking of Finn as in the context of him being on the side of of the resistance. But yeah, yeah no, it would have been even better to have him as a stormtrooper in this, just on the job. Even though, can you imagine? Okay, here, here's like the thing. Can you imagine Station Theta Black? Finn is on the platform, and he wears his helmet the entire time, so Poe doesn't know who he is. But, like, maybe, like, Finn, like, sees them in a hallway, and they have a standoff, and Finn's just like, just go. And he, like, and Poe runs. And so then when we get to, you know, The Force Awakens, like, that moment where he's, like, sees Poe in the midst of the village being burned, that would give Finn, like, some extra incentive of, like, is that that guy I saved one time? Like... See, I, w- I would have just had it been like he messes it up totally so that they get away. He doesn't necessarily know who they are, but he messes it up. And at the end, Phasma's like, that's it. You are on. You are now cleaning dirty you, you're whatever. now cleaning garbage cans from now on. Which would actually be canonic because right, exactly. um, would no, that would actually, with, yeah, yeah. Um, because time, we also, the next time he meets the next time he meets Poe. Yeah, we know that we we know that and we also know that from the Star Wars Adventures comics that he was doing garbage stuff too. So that would actually match up like really well. But I I think and to also even just for even if it was just a couple of lines, like we know how much fun um Oscar Isaac had as Poe in this series. You can hear it in his voice. And I would have loved to have like a little bit of John Boyega still loving Star Wars, even if it's just for a few lines, like really loving his character. Yeah. And I think I think Finn would have been a really, really interesting choice, even just for an episode. Um, or even what if even having him on the Colossus, you know, like he doesn't even he could just be one of the people like that could give him extra incentive to leave to see what 
he like what the people are doing like seeing the people riot and throw fruit at him you know like that would give him a different insight um but at the same time then you would have to bring in the question like how does he get off the colossus to go with phasma and blah 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 and the, the, that's yeah. why i think station theta black is a much better example yeah for sure where he's just there for an episode um i just want to say if you at, please ask me this question again in season two because then you get to hear how i would have used hux and tam as allies in season two and how hux and tam should have been allies for the majority of season two to get him to his spy story of Tross. We'll come back to that. If, if you want to ask me that. So. so, Chris, your next question I want to ask you this, because you're... Oh, by the way, happy birthday, Star Wars! Today is the uh, was the release of A New Hope that we were recording, so happy yeah. birthday. It's about a month off from that, but as we're recording it, it is, yeah. Yeah, today. Um, so you are an old original fan an og fan of star wars you saw a new hope in theaters um and something that i often hear people say and talk about is like the force is such an important part of star wars but this show has very few force elements in it it's it's almost nothing pretty much ayla may be force sensitive and that's really about it so do you think that makes the show quote unquote not star wars enough or is it still star warsy no, religion is a strong part of human civilization, but I don't need it in every piece of drama from <laughs> in humanity. So, you know, yeah, no, I it's I, I kind of like it. It still feels plenty Star Wars to me. I don't get hung up on it. Star Wars has it has to be set in <clears throat> in that in that world. It has to have a certain tone to it. It can have it's there's still elements there. There's still glimmers of the force in it, but they're more stuff for the the viewer to pick up on. And they're just lightly around the edges with the little kids and stuff and with the turtle people, maybe a little bit, you know, and a, a mention here and there. But I, I'm fine with it. It's It's a relief. I want different flavors of star wars i want one that's not necessarily about the arc of the force and force users and i want to see what's going on with the people who aren't force users i don't need a lightsaber i'm happy that there's that this is just like there's just no lightsabers being deployed in in this show it's 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 kind of awesome because in the Star Wars universe, there wouldn't be Force things happening all the time or everybody would be big believers in the Force. And there were, wouldn't be lightsabers being deployed all the time. As a matter of fact, in a galaxy, the Jedi would be a very, very rare situation. And those stories are in this rarefied, they're almost in the like God level of stories, mythological stories. And this is in the the mundane area of it. And that is something as we've discussed in length that we love about this. So yeah, I'm it's, it's, it's fully star Wars to me. It's, it's not force wars. It's star Wars. I like that. It's not force wars. It's star Wars. I like that a lot. So. All Damn right. it, Jim. <laughs> All right. Another one for you. Yeah. Um. Oh wait, I'm on your last one though. Mhm. Mm Cause then you have one more, and then I have my. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. 
is there anything or anyone that you could have, you know, not that you hate, but that you think that could have possibly been done without in this season? No, but I think execution is important. Um, because I, I think everyone does serve a purpose, even down to the little old lady who hits on Kaz, down to OP Pit, who mm-hmm. just wants to buff the floors, to the Gorg salesman, who's just selling his Gorgs, up to our main cast of characters. Um, you know, I was thinking about this, and the Colossus really reminds me a lot of the citizens of Beach City in Steven Universe. And... Why that? What I mean by that is when when you watch Steven Universe, there's a lot of episodes that's just like Steven helps the the pizza place, you know, for an episode, or he helps his friend at the fry shop. Like, you know, it's these just kind of very they often get quote unquote labeled like quote unquote filler episodes. Um, but the reason those episodes are important is we get to learn Steven's human side. Um, we get to find out like what's important to him because the character of Steven is half alien, half human. And the plot is mostly around the alien side, but we have to know his personal stakes of him as a human. He loves his city. He loves these people. And we get to know these citizens just as much as we get to know Stevens to where we love them and we care. So like when the war shows up at Beach City, we're scared for the humans who can't defend themselves. And that's what it is here, too. Everyone on the Colossus serves that purpose. We love OP Pit. We love Aunt Z. We, we're scared when Aunt Z and Hype get shoved into a box to go to a prison camp. Like, that's scary because we love these people. Um, and so I, I think everyone really does serve a purpose because it gives Kaz and Yeager and Tam, like, these stakes to fight for. You know, that's part of Tam's story in season two is like, she's like, oh, my God, we're firing on my house. (laughs) Like, we're firing on my home. I know these people. Oh, my God, I didn't think about this. That's part of her journey because we love everyone here. Um, But I do think execution is important because, as I mentioned, I think some characters, we, we get more OP pit in his drama with his floor sweeper than the aces. So I do think there's a balance that's off at times um and that's part of the reason why i really liked the shorts because the shorts really gave us like the the shorts were almost more about the people of the classes like we got like orca and flicks and we got the aces and we got aunt z that was more about the people versus like really the main characters um and that's what i really liked about those um so i do think the execution was off because i think some people definitely got a lot more love than others and i don't mind i love orc and flex i want an entire series of just orc and flex i could i would love that i would eat it up but i do think that there was other people who still needed focused and i don't think the execution was spot on is anything i said make sense <laughs> yeah okay cool yeah i'm yeah so Gosh, where are these tiny, sorry, there's these like tiny little bugs and I don't know where they came from. <laughs> and they're just like, I'm on a come eat your, your, they did come from the outdoors. We did have like a week where we just left our windows open for like a week. So I know exactly where they came from, but now they're just like, hello, you're podcasting. I'm going to come uh, hang out with you. <laughs> and I'm like, no. All right. So for your last question, Chris, quest, I think I say quest and quest, quest and quest. 
do you think people are too harsh on the show after you know having a season of rewatching it and stuff like that i i guess i think um i think the show probably got budgeted to where it didn't get promoted and it obviously didn't get the 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 reaction that that like made them think oh we should release a soundtrack we should merchandise the show a lot you know and you know write have books off it and stuff so in that element yeah that was really harsh but it sort of you know just meant that they just didn't they just didn't get the the budget for it but as far as fans go i guess but i'm more familiar with good stuff because of the like this show and the people that we have on who love it because i never really was in the spaces where the people were like talking about the show when yeah i wasn't on twitter i wasn't on any forums talking about this i wasn't following the scuttlebutt of what people thought about it or anything i was just watching it you know i i think people generally don't have enough patience with shows because there's so many of them so if if they don't get sucked in in the first couple shows and especially if they like eh, i kind of don't like this and then so they get uh, like a little bad attitude to it for going forward i mean even you were sort of like i don't know how i feel about this with the first couple of shows and then you like warmed right up to it but like it, it, but the show is also like more tuned to like what 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 you would like so you know i just think a lot of people probably didn't get like six or eight episodes into it to uh you know i mean some i mean there's star trek whole star trek shows where you got to get three seasons in before it starts to get good so so i i guess you know the 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 i'm sure there were people like like i've heard the criticisms of the show and i disagree with them but i i can agree with them as to the point of somebody who might have just like scratched the surface of the show but yeah um yeah because here's the thing i i, I, I think I, this the show this this show got a short shrift i do too because i one like uh I, I i absolutely and i've had this conversation with uh a buddy of mine on twitter before she doesn't like the show and you know what she watched it twice and it's just not her jam yeah. Yeah. And I get and I get that. And I that's think that's fair that, enough, though. You know, that, that's that's, that's totally more fair. than fair enough watching it twice. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't like I give her big props for doing that, because I'm if I watch it, if I go through it once, I'm not going to. I maybe if I had enough people harping on me and time went by and I was like, maybe I was having a bad patch of life at that time and, you know, give yeah. it a second chance or something. But yeah, yeah, she you know she gave it a chance <laughs> and and i feel like this show is definitely one of the ones like like we, we talked about it like other series are much safer this is not a safe option and it's not trying to be so i think it and i think it's fine i think it's okay if people don't like this show because i 100 percent agree why this show is not everyone's jam but i do think there is this almost and and we see this like when people like monetize their youtube hate you know, like I think there's this kind of trend where it's more clickbaity to hate on something, and I think yeah. that people are extra harsh on this show um, because it's I, I don't know why. And 
it's okay for people not to like stuff. I actually think not liking things makes fandom fun when we can actually have like really healthy conversations about like why things work for us it and keeps sometimes things, things from getting people. boring. Yeah. Know? If we all liked everything, then fandom would be boring. But I do think there's a tendency to be assholes about it. And don't be an asshole. Like, you know, people are going to like the show. People are not going to like the show. But don't be an asshole to each other. Like, if it's not your jam, it's not your jam. If you love it, then you love it. But And, and have healthy conversations. Like, I actually had this healthy conversation with my friend who watched it twice, and it's not her jam. She just it didn't jive with her, and that's fine. And I was really interested to hear why it didn't work for her, and I could see her points. And she was interested to hear why I liked it, and she saw my points. And you know what? We had a healthy conversation, and the world didn't end, and Twitter didn't burn down to the fucking ground. <laughs> you know? things. These things can happen. <laughs> Have yeah. conversations. Be adults. Don't be fucking children. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think there's this. I think there's a thing where it's like you have to either like everything or hate everything, and there's no in between. Well, and I we're mean, losing that nuance. We're losing that. Not, nuance. It's about gathering a crowd. Two adults having a healthy conversation is definitely interesting and healthy for those two adults, and that's what it serves as a purpose. Mm-hmm. You know. And and if people are like, oh, this is an interesting conversation to listen to, you know, they listen to. But two little kids having a having a fight and swearing at each other and spitting at each other will get a crowd right around them, you know. So that's mm-hmm. what people are going for is to get a crowd. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's yeah, better it's better to have a fight going if you want to get attention. I said and you even clickbait. get attention from the people who go, look at this mm-hmm. fighting, you know. Mm-hmm. Alright. <clears throat> Here it comes, everybody's favorite with a new twist. So in the past, I've done my Rex Evolutions, where it was recapping Clone Wars from the point of view of Rex. I've done my Callus Evolution, which was recapping Rebels from the point of view of Callus. So I was thinking how best to do this. And I think it might be fun to have Cantina stories. With Aunt Z. Welcome to my horrible Aunt Z impression. You ready? Ooh, are you going to do the impression all the way through? I'm going to try. Oh. It's going to be as solid as my horrible British accent, which would always vanish halfway through Callous Felicians. It's going to be about that solid. All right. (laughs) Let's get to it. <clears throat> I have not thought this through at all. Excellent. I was just like, Yay, I have not thought this through at all. So, all right. All gather around, kids. I have quite a story for you today. So, yeah, this little shit showed up one day. His name is Kaz, right? And everything was nice and peaceful until this Kazuda showed up with that little Poe Dameron brat. He always comes around here going, Oh, Z, you're looking great. I'm like, mm, no, you don't fly, boy. No, you don't. You're not going to get free drinks from me. And this Kaz kid shows up, right? He's claiming to be the so-called best, best pilot in the galaxy. And we know that's a lie. Anybody who says they're the best at everything don't know what they're going to say. They're actually not really. They're compensating for a lot. And by the looks of this kid, he was compensating for more than just his flying skills. Anyway. So he shows up, right? And the whole Colossus goes into a tizzy. You want a new, another drink, sweetie? All right, just let me know if you do, okay? Orca, Orca, slow down. Or I'm going to get your husband back in here, you know? 
you stole me from last week, Orca. So this cast, right, he shows up. And he is all flying, and he goes against Toradoza, and of course nobody can touch Dora because she's she's the head honcho's daughter, and everybody gets really scared when you want to go against her, except for Hype. Hype will always kind of go on their way. So this cast kid shows up, and life just starts changing. He's getting into all this trouble. He's causing fights in my bar and everything, and. He seems to be shoveled off on Yeager, and poor Yeager, he has to put up with so much already. Like, Niku is a solid kid, right? And he does his work, always pays, and he tips well. You always want to work a shift when Niku is in here, because he's a really good tipper. We're talking 30% here, right? And then there's Tam, and she's another solid worker too. Poor kid is just trying to get her leg up. And Yeager, I think Yeager is a bit too hard on her because she's supposed to have this shit called the fireball, but for some reason, Yeager just shoveled off the fireball on this new Kaz kid. Nobody knows who he is. So, Kaz has the fireball, and he's been flying around. You would think that if he's been flying around, he would be stopping these pirates that are showing up more, right? These pirates are coming all the time, and Captain Doza can't get his shit together, right? So all of our lights are going off, and all of our guns are going off, and Yeager and his team are working so hard trying to get these pirates out of the sky. Before you know it, this Kaz guy is getting into all this business. Like, he showed up one day with that bitch, Jace Reckman. You know who I'm talking about. That little bitch comes in here all the time. He does not tip. In fact, I saw him one time putting nuts in his pants, but because I guess he just didn't have any. So he was stealing nuts from me one time, and you better believe I picked him up by the shoes, and I shook him out, and he lost more than just his nuts that day. So Kaz is hanging out with his bitch Jace Reckland, right, and his little team, and Jace almost gets himself killed, and I guess that Kaz boy, he might be a mess, but like, he saved him, and saved his life, so I guess he's good for something, but you know, Jace doesn't do anything around here, he could've just let him die. Anywho. So, you still okay over there? Glenn, go give him a drink. Why are you standing there? I don't pay you for this. Go, go give him a drink now. Make sure you get his money too. So, we started seeing these new people start showing up around the platform. First of all, we had the First Order show up more. Also, these two cute little kids just started running around. I got, I, I heard their names were Kel and Ayla, and they are hanging down down in engineering. You know, I have a soft spot for, for lost kids, and I've seen eyes like that before. When you've been around as long as I have, you've seen those kind of eyes. You know, my friend Mascanada, she said something along those lines too. She's like, I see eyes of same people and you're old. Oh, I'm just that girl, Mascanada, and I, we go way back, way back. Definitely some college stories there. Oh yeah, but she always has her eyes on more of the furry ones. I don't got enough fur for that. Anywho. So I'd like to take some uh, some meals down to those kids, down in uh, with the with the turtle folks and all. And as these people started showing up, we started getting more pirates around too. It's like these pirates—they suddenly have all these weapons. Where do they get these guns? Where do they get these ships? Why do they look like first? I bet it's them first order people. I bet Doza has something to do with that. But you know, it's just it's just how life is when you're out here on the outer rim. You, you have races, we had Market Speed Star show up, it just happens. But then, more First Order people started showing up, and you would think they'd be good at stuff, and they'd be good at fighting stuff, as good as our aces, but they're not. 
especially when we had a big old sea monster show up out of out of nowhere. And this big old sea monster threatened to take down this entire platform and drag it all the way to the ground, but I heard that sweet Niku boy, he is really a sweet boy. Really, I mean it, tips 30%. Sometimes 35 and I always give him extra too. And then part of the reason I like to give him extra food too is just to watch that little Kaz kid just kind of get whimpery. Anywho, that nice boy Niku saved the day that day. Nobody would have expected it out of him, you know, but he really stepped up that day and he got that sea monster to go away. I guess he's just the sea monster whisperer. You know, those best boys do that too. Oh, nobody needs to take a break. <laughs> to do that voice, there's a very specific, like, only talk with so much air in your mouth kind of voice. Ah. Yeah, think about the people in the Midwest that have to do that all the time. I'm I'm also partially like pressing like the tips of my like the edges of my tongue against my teeth to kind of yeah. give me that kind of like tiny voice. I'm like I they can't breathe. do it all the time there. Ooh, I can't. Okay, we're good. We're good. <coughs> so, so you know. Oh my God, it has a horrible Midwestern accent. I'm sorry, friends from the Midwest. It's I'm not so bad, really. It's not too bad. I've heard I've heard worse. I can. See I do. It. I'm worse. I do worse ones. I can see Russia from my house. <laughs> That's definitely Alaska. That's, um, yeah, that's, yeah. So, you know. Uh, I'm also channeling, like, partial, like, just, uh, like, a, like, 1% Jewish grandmother. <laughs> and, and I heard my, like, because my, my stepmom is Jewish, and every once in a while she goes into that, like, slightly, like, Jewish auntie kind of voice. It's, it's really cute. Anyway, so. That sweet boy Kaz, I heard from Orca. Orca, remember when Kaz took your took over your store for the day? Didn't you think it was going to burn down? Oh yeah, we definitely thought it was gonna burn down that day, Z. Yeah, you're lucky. He's a hard worker, that sweet, he is a sweet boy. Yeah, I guess he's a sweet boy. Yeah, he's a very sweet boy, that cast. But, so, he has been doing all this stuff and being very helpful, but you would think that he would be a little bit more aware from the First Order people showing up. But no, he seems like he wants to get his nose all in those business. And, I, and I'm scared for these kids. You know, when these First Order troopers show up, you you never know. They're going to take these kids off and brainwash them. I've seen it happen before. It happened with the Empire. See, my, my friend Janine, Janine's brother went into the, the Empire and he never came back. You know, and she was all like sad from him and stuff. So these boys... And these girls, they even go away, and I've seen it happen before. And these assholes from the First Order, they came into my bar. Believe it or not, they came into my bar. And they were like, oh, we want to put this sign up here. And I was like, I don't need your ugly propaganda. You get your ass out of here. And they were like, you better do this or else. And I was like, or else what? I'm going to pick you up like Jace Rucklin and shake all your nuts out. That's not going to happen. So they were just like, okay, well, we'll come back. And I was like, you come back, I shoot. So then, these assholes come in the dead of night, and they take me away, all by blaster point, and they put me in a box with hype phase on, right? I raised hell. I picked up hype like the little noodly man he was, and I started swinging him around, trying to break out of this box. And finally, that sweet boy Kaz, you know, he, he gets in all this trouble, but he got us out that day. And he was like, he broke us out and we fought some troopers, but he was very smart. He was like, you can't go back to your lives because they're going to know a lot about this. So then I go to my college friend, Matt Kanata, and we get some advice and we hear that this is happening all over the galaxy. You know, we're hearing the First Order is moving all over this place. And we talk with our friend Leia 
with her friend there and things are happening so i was like hype we have to go back to the colossus so i heard from my friends um that they had actually raised the station they raised the station out of the ocean and it became station again and we arrived just in time because if they had jumped and left and they took my business with me it would have been a horrible time an absolutely horrible horrible time because they would then have who was going to drink who who's going to pay for all these who's going to serve all these drinks not you are you going to serve all these no i didn't think so you're gonna uh, are you gonna pay for that you're gonna pay for that you better pay for that i just told you the story because now we're flying through hyperspace and who knows where we're going but where it is i'm gonna keep serving drinks so there's the bill honey Ooh. Yeah, where's the alcohol going to come from once they're in, in space? <laughs> yes, it's a Disney show. There's no alcohol. <laughs> wow, that wasn't actually very long. It wasn't I, the longest one. It might, I don't know if it was the shortest one, but it was very I think, entertaining. I think it's, it's my shortest one. I really do. And I mean that honestly because... It's, it's, our, first, it's our first female voice pollution. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got I got a little bit of orca in there. It's our first lady evolution. But you know, I was thinking about it, and like like I was saying, this is a character show. There's not a lot of plot. Right, uh, right. So I thought it would be much more fun to do it, just like you know, like a story around the bar and People stuff. People are here for quality, not quantity. Hope. Yeah, I'm gonna eat this green M&M. Nom. Um, um, nom, nom, nom. And I love Antsy. I I was torn between Antsy and Orkin and Flex, and so it was gonna be one of those three, and I didn't know who I was gonna do. But I felt like Antsy. Well, when, when Orkin and Flex have their show, they have to go to Antsy's bar every every couple episodes, mm-hmm. or maybe 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 every episode they have a little sequence at Antsy's bar. I felt more comfortable doing an Antsy voice than I felt <coughs> doing a, a Flex voice because I was very. Could you was, imagine the sitcom with Orkin and Flex, and it has a has basically the um um and i wish like i could do either of their voices but they just do the like all in the family with edith and archie singing at the piano (laughs) well to to answer the first part of your question i think it would be more like show tune singing you know what i'm saying you know yeah to to answer your first question i think about orca and flicks having a sitcom actually quite often because most people, a lot of people do like those like fun little questions on like Twitter. It's just like you're suddenly the head of Disney. What TV show would you put into effect right now? And I'm like, Orkin Flex show. <laughs> so I actually think about Orkin Flex having a show a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So, all right, Chris. Well, final question: How would you rate the season as a whole? Yeah, I'd, I'd give it like between eight point five and nine. I think uh, it starts out starts out a little janky around the edges. Um, it's funny because I got a little janked out in the first few episodes more the second time than the first time. The first time I just sort of like like rolled with it and it like had the opposite reaction of you, where you were kind of like, I don't know, oh, this is great, you know. So yeah, I I uh, but like. Once it gets rolling, it's a straight, it's a straight shoot to the, to a pretty, 
um, crazy end, you know, crazy ending to the first season that uproots the whole show. So yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. I, I'm one of those people that the more I watch Resistance, the more I fall in love with it. Like it's, it's deceptively deep. Like on the surface, it seems like bright and fun and like inconsequential, but it's deceptively deep. It's deceptively dark. Um, it's a unique show and it's not made to be safe. It does its own thing and it doesn't fucking care if you like it or not. Like it's just going to do its own thing. And I like that because it's unapologetically resistance and it's not trying to be some corner of the mass market where it's like the same story over and over again, Mando and Bad Batch and Kanan have all finding new children that they suddenly have to raise you know, it's not trying to be. It's very uniquely its own. And I like that. And the more I watch it, the more I love it. Especially especially the first season. I think the first season is stronger than the second. Um, so I'm really excited to get into the second season because we actually have a lot of guests lined up for season two. Oh, my rating. I, I give it about I give it an eight point five to a nine. I, I agree with that. I think that's a very I think that's a very balanced um uh our uh, 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 rating. So yeah, I'm very excited to get into our second season because we actually have a lot of guests lined up and it's gonna be a lot of fun i need to start contacting those people oh my god (laughs) so i think our first guest is in a few weeks resistance guest what is our first guest of season two um oh my gosh we have our first guest is in one two three weeks and then we have a guest the week after that and then a break and then i guess after that ah all All right we're gonna have a lot of fun yeah we're gonna have we're about to have a lot of fun you guys so all right chris well where can people find you you can find me at the the new newly revamped and our show two true freaks page and that is at two true freaks.com and can sign up for us there at our itunes hopefully (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we are also on Facebook we got the Two True Freaks podcast where we post up all our shows and the Two True Freaks Cantina where we talk about our shows and what hey whatever else in nerd world we want to talk about and we are also on the place where I never go Twitter and the, the, the man who braves the Twitter jungle is Gene Gene the jungle machine Gene yay <laughs> well, you said the jungle machine, so I was like, ah, oh, monkey. You know, uh, I almost, I almost, in our what the fuck question, mentioned Swalacious Crumb, because to see a Kwekian gorilla was insane. Yeah, yeah. Almost, almost mentioned him. He was an honorable mention. Um, yeah, but that's where you can find me, where they can, who, where, where, where they can find you, Hope. Uh, they can find me at Jguys and Jedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Molinex. Um, as we said, uh, Chris and I have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, where we talk about um, all sorts of animation. We are finishing up Gravity Falls. Actually, where are we in the... We might be just wrapping up Gravity Falls um, by the time this episode comes out. So you said four weeks, right? Yeah. So I think I just put out DD and more D. So we're going to be just coming to the finale 
um, by the time this episode comes out. So we're just wrapping up Gravity Falls and we're getting ready for Avatar The Last Airbender. So, yeah! Oh, I also have a website called Geeky Girl Experience where I write stuff. Woo. Yep, there's that too. Oh my gosh, we're starting season two next week, Chris. We're it's going... It's almost like a little reboot of the... It's almost like a new show starting up. I really am excited about getting into season two because I... I, really I am too because I don't know the end. So you don't I... know the end, and that's what it's exciting. And I want to give it a. I did not give it a fair shot because going into the season knowing it was the last season, I yeah, held you were like. Mad. I no, I was, was holding mad. every episode to like hype because you know, you remember when I talked about the Martez sister in, in Clone Wars and how like that wasn't supposed to be in the final season it was supposed to be just a, a mid-season arc but because it was in the final season it had this almost like heightenedness around it because it was like oh every episode has to be special well resistance doesn't work like that every episode doesn't have to be special so i think i definitely gave season two like a really bad first go because I wanted every episode to be important and heightened, and it just wasn't. And that's not fair to the show. I held it to an unfair standard. And I'm really excited to kind of look at it in a new light. Um, and so, yeah, I'm really excited to get into it. So next week, we are going cue, cue the Frozen music, because this is actually a title of a song in season two. So the title of next week's episode is Into the Unknown, Into the Unknown. <laughs> We're going against the unknown. Well, I guess I know what song to put at the front of it, and it's Disney too. So we did actually already do that song, so maybe I could find like a. There's a really cool. I'm, I'm gonna... Maybe I'll just find a different version of it. There's got to be many. That's what I was. That's around. what I was about to say because I um. There's a version of that I really like by a band. It's um. Frost Studios Chamber Sonic and they do like these like amazing like almost orchestrated like powerful ballad versions of these songs and maybe you go do it theirs so alright guys we'll see you next week alrighty bye everybody bye season 2 Woo! I really do need to contact everybody <laughs>Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search 2TrueFreaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number 2. You can find 2TrueFreaks on Facebook. Just search for 2TrueFreaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks.